All right. Welcome to Guerrilla Discipleship. I'm here. Uh, this is Kevin Baker, your host, and I get to be with the best kids pastor in the whole world. Ginny Lee is with me, and we're going to talk about disciple making as kids. And um, Ginny, one of the things that happened, we were talking, I was in a conversation with, I don't remember who, Ann or someone the other day, and we were talking about that you had some kids who were disciple makers, and Andrew had some youth that were disciple makers. And it really got me to thinking that we probably don't think often that kids can be disciple makers. So how is it that you've seen kids work to be used of God, to be blessing other kids or even their parents? Any ways that you would just share with us so that we can kind of get a sense of what a kid disciple maker looks like? Yeah, I think that's such a good question that we don't even ask. We don't even ask our parents to ask that question. But kids are a natural fertile place for disciple making because they naturally go out. Yes. They naturally want to share. They naturally will take what they're learning, good or bad, and they will they will cast it out. Yeah. Uh, so uh, in that sense, um, you know, I think one of the greatest lies of the enemy has been, you know, you can't do it. Yeah. You know, he can do it, she can do it, they can do it, but you can't do it. And with kids, you just don't see that. They haven't mm. bought into that lie yet. And maybe they will later on as the world kind of presses in on them. But as children, I think that's one of the reasons I love working with them oh, because yeah. they haven't bought into that lie yet. That's true. And they haven't been convinced of that yet. They they don't know what they don't know right. in a good way. <laughs> and one of those things is I can talk about Jesus mm. totally organically, yeah. totally uninvited even. They might even talk about Jesus without the conversation even being about Jesus and then that starts a conversation. Um, it starts an interaction. And right. I have an example. I remember when we were at Chick-fil-A uh, down in Silver Spring. And um, my son came over to me and he said, Mommy, they were in the playpen. Uh, I'm talking to this boy and he doesn't know Jesus. And you need to come and tell him <laughs> about Jesus. Because I've been telling him about Jesus, but he's not understanding what I'm saying. And I said, that's okay, buddy. Because... The point was he had started the conversation yes, yeah. and now he was asking mom to come in because that the kid so maybe awesome. wasn't getting it. But he was four at the time. Wow. So honestly, as soon as a kid starts talking, yeah, they can start sharing about that Jesus. So and the more we as parents create that environment, we've talked about that before, the yeah. faith environment where kids feel like they have something to share, they're going to share it. Boy, I want to say something more about that parent influence, but I can't remember this story exactly. And I, don't remember if you told me or someone else told me a story about um, a small child. I don't remember how old, but like two or three years old. Mm. And that part of the lesson was um, that God loves you no matter what or mm. something like that. I hope this story, is that reminding you what I'm going to say? It sounds familiar. And and there was, so anyway, this yeah. little kid, you know, part of the process uh, of just him learning about Jesus, that God loves us no matter what. Yeah. And then he saw, I think it was a little boy, saw a kid crying on the playground and went over and put his arm around them and said, God loves you no matter what. Yeah. Is that story, did you tell I me that? I feel like that came out of our kids' ministry. I think it there did. There was a kid who, who, who did that exactly. So, I mean, just yeah. even the comfort that another kid would go and yeah. love on another hurting, I mean, I don't know what they were crying, what the kid right. was crying about, <laughs> but just to reassure them and to remind them that God loves them and that Jesus loves them and that, they, that God is present with them. I mean, those are the powerful little things yeah. that can be life affecting or life impacting. So, yes. all right. So, of the kids that you know that are involved in disciple making or even have a sense of it, because mm -hmm. I think most kids don't, maybe not even have a sense of it, 
what are the biggest influences that are helping kids mm. that you see to really understand how to engage in making disciples or engage in being useful for God in, in their lives in some way that's just organic? I love the way you said that. Yeah, one of the best stories that I've heard of, um, so we've got two kids in kids' ministry who are next-door neighbors. Mm. And so their parents have just done a fantastic job of being in the neighborhood. They are outside playing. Their, um, their, their yard is an open yard. And so because you've got these two households who are united in this, um, kids from other houses come and they play in their yard and they, they develop relationships. And because the parents of the neighbors, right, the neighborhood parents know about these two households, mm. they trust these two parents. And so what came out of this was, first of all, these two little girls who live next door to each other, they were in first grade at the time. They started praying for one of their neighbors. Oh, they wow. just started praying for her, saying, God, we want her to come to church. We just want her. To. That, that's that's it. awesome. And then they made the invitation. And then because of the established relationships and the trust, the parents of that little girl allowed these two girls' parents to bring her to church. Oh, wow. So now she's been coming to our church. So mom and dad didn't mom and come. Mom and dad don't come. But yes. the daughter does. The daughter yeah, comes. that's so yeah. awesome. But again, the power of relationship yeah. and just being outside and letting your neighbors know. Right. We're here. We're not cloistered in our homes. And I know that was hard during COVID. The pandemic. Yeah. yeah. But um, this has become their culture. This is their neighborhood that's culture. Awesome. And so they impact their culture. And now this little girl loves coming to church. Yeah. And again, as you said, kids don't know, there's no, kids don't have strangers. I mean, that's one of the fears that we have with right, kids. But right. the great thing is they will walk up to any other kid. Hey, that's you right. want to play with me? That's and right. so their their relational dynamics are so open yeah. and so inviting that yeah. they can just, and if they have a sense of wanting others to see that God loves them. So let me ask you this. Is there ever a time, have you seen a time when there are kids who are really getting what it means to be sharing God's love with others where the parents aren't getting it? Mm. Or is this more often the parents are really the ones modeling it for their kids yeah. and the kids are seeing, oh my gosh, I want to, I, I see what mom and dad do as they love on people or set yeah. an atmosphere. That's a good question. I think the majority of, of children who are um, engaging this way, it's because they've seen it modeled. Okay. And that makes sense, right? That's yeah. just a natural law of life. You, 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 you become what you behold. You do what you see done, right? right? And so most of the children who are talking about Jesus, not not scared to talk about Jesus, it's because their parents either maybe, um, you know, they're leaders at church. They're um, at home. They're doing, you know, more than just mealtime prayer. Right, they're doing right. family devotions. They're talking about God. They've got Christian music playing. They're creating a sub-environment in the greater environment. I got you. Right. And so, but there are cases, I would say, um, really special kids, I think, who, you know, despite mom and dad not being super involved in church or having their own faith life, God just has a hold of their heart. Wow. You know, and that really speaks to the fact that there is no junior Holy Spirit. That's right. one of my favorite sayings from I Heidi Baker, that. right? That the Holy Spirit in you and me, same, is the same Holy Spirit same in a Holy two Spirit. year old yeah. or a, an eight year old. And so, wow. just being aware that the power of God, the Spirit of God is alive in a child, but it will not necessarily go anywhere. Or we can we can help it grow right. by putting that like, and I mean, it's kids are naturally curious. And so if yeah. we can either shut that curiosity yes. down or we yes. can cultivate it, 
the same way. What God's doing in their lives, we as parents and in, and, and other influencers in their lives can either cultivate it yeah. or we can squash it. Well, make and it seem if like I could say, right. you know, and hopefully this doesn't sound too harsh, but um, the greatest children's pastor would never <laughs> say anything harsh. We're all about love. <laughs> um, no, it is, it is. But that idea of cultivating it really is speaking to identity. Mm. And so if your identity is someone who houses, hosts the Holy Spirit, and again, we don't think of kids that yeah, way oftentimes. We say, oh yeah, that's for later, that's for more mature Christians. But if we think of our children as houses for the Holy Spirit to dwell and yeah. to grow and to to move us, right? right versus academics, mm. versus athletics, versus ambition, these things that are going to be cultivated and actually become their identity, wow. appearance, yeah. right? All of those things, what you cultivate is what the child becomes. Yeah, it doesn't seem like we've culti- spent as much time cultivating yeah. our kids spiritually as we have athletics and academics, which are all important they too. Are. We want our kids to be engaged and yeah. able to engage in the world, but that's a, a great a great point. What does a mature... This is going to be a tough question, or at least it is for me, so maybe not for you. But what would you say a mature five-year-old follower of Jesus looks like? Mm. Um, and if I've picked the wrong age, if you yeah, want to give no, me another no. age. I, I know five-year-olds. I, again, five-year-olds to ten-year-olds, you see it. Um, maturity is oftentimes just the fruit of the Spirit. Okay. It's the joy. Um, the, the, that's probably the the most clearly defined marker. They have this joy in them. And it's not a giddy, you know, right. roughhousing sort of joy. It's just when you see them, there is, um, it is spiritual. There's something in their demeanor, even as a five-year-old, where you go, you you know where you are. You right. know who you are. And um, a five-year-old can have that. We don't need to think that they're immature or that they're still developing. They are still developing. But that is the probably the biggest thing I see. Um, you could be a quiet five-year-old hmm. who isn't necessarily talking to everyone about Jesus. Right. But you have this joy in you, and it carries you. And I have seen that. I have seen that in five-year-olds. Yeah. You have three wonderful kids. Yeah. Uh, and, and give me their ages again. So uh, Enoch is eight, um, Elijah is 12, and Alicia is 14. So how have you and your husband cultivated spiritual life mm. in your home? I think the most important thing we did, um, and we're so grateful God established this early on, is um, praying together. Okay. With, as a family? No, just he and I. Oh, you and Even t- okay. with babies in u- utero, just we had established routine of we're going to pray together. Okay. Some nights it'll be five minutes. Some nights it'll be 50 minutes. It doesn't matter. We just, we know it's a priority. And we're gonna do it. And are you doing this in front of the kids, or are you hiding? Now are you going in your room? Or no, what? no. Now we do. It's, okay. uh We're in the living room on the couch, okay. so it's our couch time, and the kids will wander in and out. Um, oftentimes, it's uh, around bedtime, so okay. they've gone up to bed, but they know mom and dad are downstairs, Our downstairs praying. praying. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's one of the the, the most important, uh, most routine things that you have to do that we do. Um, come into church. How how have you? That's great. I, of course, I'm all for that. Yeah. How have you seen? How have, let me let me ask this question. How have you helped your kids? Yeah. And I think this is an ongoing thing. But how have you helped your kids understand that they are 
loved by the Father. That mm. there is this unseen being. They can't yeah. see him with their eyes, but that he's more real than what we do see with our eyes. And that he loves them and that he's for them. How do you do that? One exercise that we do is, um, as a family, we're praying together. And we'll just say, we'll have worship music going on. Or Richard, he plays the guitar and he'll ha- he'll be playing. And then we'll say, we're going to take a minute. Because kids, they can't be there for hours. Right, we'll just say, we're right. going to take a minute. And we're just going to be quiet, and we're going to let God talk to us. We're going to let God speak to us. And if you hear something, just share it with us, and we'll process it. We'll process it together. I mean, kids have thoughts. They have have voices coming at them. So why wouldn't God speak to them? Exactly. But we have to give him space to do that. So we'll sit around. The music is playing. The kids are waiting and listening. And then... If they say, I felt God say he loved me, mm. you affirm that. Oh, yeah. You know it's true. Right, you know right. there's there's no question that that is from the Lord because mm. that's from the Bible. Yeah. So you always test what maybe the child is hearing and sharing with the Bible. Mm. You know, um, I'll, I'll give you a really silly example. Uh, one time it was winter and, and we were praying and, and one of the kids said, I feel like God say it's going to be a snow day tomorrow. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And, and so, so I can said, stay up late tonight. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't have to do any homework. I can just stay right, up late. Yeah, right. it's going to be a snow day. Um, and really, he's just pinning all his hopes on right, the snow right. day. And we said, okay, well, um, if you feel like the Lord said that to you, because you never want to negate right. what they feel like the Lord said, right? right? Um, then, um, you know, let's let's pray about it. Let's say, God, was this really you? And get that confirmation and then, and then this might sound weird, but what we'll do is we'll we'll go around and we'll say, "Did you feel like the Lord said it's going to be a snow day?" And in that case, mom and dad both said, "We don't feel like the Lord <laughs> said that to us." Right, right. And I think this is confirmed in First Corinthians fourteen. This idea of confirming what you right, heard, exactly. Um, and indeed, it didn't. <laughs> unfortunately, so somebody was very disappointed. He was very. <laughs> Yeah, so you're, you're you're kind of helping them process disappointment. You know what's so good about that though that mm. I think. I don't know that we did a good job of this even with our kids, is helping them. So many people in the church say, I don't know how to hear God. You're helping your kids at an early Early. age learn. You're modeling for them, helping them to discern how do we hear God's voice, which is so critical to helping them live a life of discipleship and to be close and to even know God's comfort. That's so awesome. That's right, because... You can't obey what you haven't heard. Right. right. You can obey what you read in the Bible, and that is absolutely what the Lord uses. But there are times when maybe you'll be out. And if the Lord says, go and ask that person if they're okay. Yeah. See if maybe you can pray for them. If you're not used to hearing the voice of the Lord mm. and understanding how to process that, and we call it maybe a hunch mm-hmm. right? if we haven't developed it, but I feel like it is the prompting of the Lord, then you're not going to obey it. Yeah. Wow. And that's disciple making, right? So most so that's really what we're all about here yeah. at Oakdale is trying to help people discover a relationship with God. That's what it means to be a disciple. You're walking with God, you're living in his love yeah. and hearing his voice. Yeah. What if mom and dad haven't had that experience? How do we how do they, you know, somebody maybe is listening and they're a new parent or or they are their kids are small and they're thinking, "Oh my gosh, I don't even mm. trust my own ability to hear God's voice. Mm. What would you say? How did you get started or did you have this passed on to you from your parents? How did it come? How did it happen? We neither Richard or I had that. We we knew our parents were believers and they were very active in church, but this idea of hearing from the Lord 
and intimacy with the Lord. It didn't come until later. Um, thankfully, we had people who taught us mm. and poured into us. And I think for parents who haven't started this but are wondering, curious, wanting it, I think the first thing to do is pray together mm. and just say, let's be on the same page about this. I think it's hard when one kind of feels like it's it's for them and one right. So it's good to be united in yeah. that. Um, if but it can be uncomfortable a, praying together if it, you never have. Yes, and that's why it's so important to just start because yeah. um, it's like school. You got to learn. You got to scaffold. You got to build on yeah. it. So I think the first step is just say, "Hey, what do you think about this? Is this weird to you? Hmm. Can we try it? Yeah, let's just try it. Awesome. Try it, and then at church because we have a great staff who've been doing this. I think you find people and say, "Hey, can we kind of?" Can you mentor me? Can you help me? Something like yeah, that. Just come yeah. alongside us right, and just check right. in on us. And we have couples that we've done That's that awesome. with. And, that is and so it's awesome. Great. It's, it's yeah. wonderful to see. You know, some couples, they stick with it and they establish that routine at home. Some couples, it gets hard. And yeah. so they stop. And, and and that's fine. That's fine. You know, maybe it's just a difficult season. But no season is going to be the perfect season. Exactly. So. so getting started. is. You good. know what you said there is so yeah. true. I think many of us grew up with church-going parents or, or yeah. homes where church was a part of it. Not all of us, but, but many of us did. But there's a difference between being a church-going family or a religious family and having intimacy with God. Yes. And intimacy with intimacy at all needs to be taught, right? right. How, to, how to have intimacy, how to be appropriately vulnerable, right. how to listen for the right uh, when when Michelle and I are talking with couples who are getting ready to get married, mm. you know, there's such a difference between the way men and women communicate, mm. or there can be anyway. And um, you you uh, ladies do a better job a lot of times than we men do in terms of expressing feelings. I would right. often say men men are comfortable with laughter and anger, but we don't know what to do with all <laughs> kinds of other. And you all can sit with you know mm. feelings of 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 hurt or disappointment or whatever. Yeah. And, and instead of turning it into anger, you can sit with it yeah. and, and, and process those feelings out. And I, I'm often talking to men about trying to listen for their, for what their wife is saying in terms of emotion. What is she saying? Cause we, we can be all about the facts. I want to hear the facts and I'm going to solve your problem. Right. But what I think I've heard from Michelle and other wives is, I just want you to be there with me in the conversation. Yeah. I want to talk about. I want to be able to share my heart with you, and uh, that can be uncomfortable for husbands. And in, so, intimacy even between yes. humans can be hard. And then developing intimacy with yeah. the Father, yeah. with this heavenly Father, yeah. can be something that even very churched people can be uncomfortable with. And prayer is a very intimate thing. That's absolutely right. And I was. I'm so glad you said that because. Um, Ironically, if intimacy is difficult, think about when you're praying together, maybe you're sitting next to each other, maybe you're sitting facing each other, whatever it is, and you have your eyes closed and you're praying out loud. I, I recommend praying out loud. Um, it actually is helpful because now you're praying to a third party mm. and you, you're not necessarily having to do it this way. So let me give you an example. Um, recently... My husband's mother-in-law, I'm sorry, my husband's mother got a bad health diagnosis, and he's very concerned. He's very worried. So how does a man process all those feelings about right. his mother's health? Um, and so we said, well, we're going to pray about it. 
pray about it. So as he's praying to God, right, he's not necessarily processing it with me, but mm. he's allowing the Lord to hear his heart. And it doesn't have to be eloquent. Right. It can be, this sucks. God, I don't understand. Right. And and yet that, as the spouse, I'm observing that. Mm. And I, there is a vulnerability there. Yeah. And there is a... Now I know how to kind of maybe comfort my husband. Right. Now I know how to pray myself for my husband. Right. And again, the, bringing it back to the kids, two of our kids were awake. Oh, wow. They knew what was going on. Hmm. So they, in their own understanding about what's happening with grandma, see dad modeling, hmm. okay, I can't fix this. Right. I got to go to God. Yeah. I ha- and now they see it, and now hopefully they can do it too. So. Well, I like that. I, I yeah. think, and I maybe I... I you know, everybody's in a different place. Yeah. But for some couples, that level of intimacy, talking openly out yeah. loud to my my father in heaven in front of my spouse. Uh, sometimes I want to say things about my spouse to my <laughs> heavenly father. I recommend against that. Yeah. <laughs> so those are private prayer times. Right, right, but right. but actually, once you get to the place of, of I think really trust within yeah. the, you can say, you know, God, I'm really, I think you could even say, I'm struggling with how to respond to, mm-hmm. you know, this in, in our marriage, but I know that you love us both and I know you're going to help us. But so I think modeling that intimacy, if there's anything that really makes sense to me is that trying to help kids be disciple makers is mm-hmm. going to be out, come out of an intimacy with the father. Absolutely. They're going to have intimacy with God. And so it's natural. It's not yeah. forced. It's not religious. It's yes. not, I'm supposed to do this. Yeah. It's, oh my gosh, why wouldn't I want yeah. my friend to know the comfort of a God who comforts me That's or good. whatever. And so yeah. modeling it is, is got to be key and we've got to start somewhere. So yeah. it doesn't matter if your kids are two, No, you're not married yet. You don't have kids yet, or your kids are 32. Yeah. You can still pass on intimacy with God as you learn it yourself and share it organically with your family. And I would say, you know, maybe if the um, praying together with your spouse is still a little bit uncomfortable, and, and because maybe you're not used to praying, first of all, praying at all, and you're just starting your prayer journey, it's okay. Um, praying out loud, that's another level. I would suggest. Um, Praying with your kid and your spouse. Mm. So maybe bedtime is when, and again, you've got your child as kind of a buffer. And so as I'm praying to God, um, number one, my child is hearing it. And number two, I'm learning how to do it in a less vulnerable environment. Um, I think one of the mental blocks that we have about praying out loud is, well, my spouse knows me Mm. so well. Mm Who do I think I am? Yeah. Praying to God and right. saying all these things, right. and and you maybe you feel like you're not, and and that's again that's a lie from the enemy, yeah. as though you're not worthy to pray right, to God, right. as though your words are you know going to negate or or affirm what your spouse thinks about yeah. you. No, yeah. that's not that's right. not it at all. And so hmm. it that's good. It's hard to 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 get started sometimes, but once you start, I think the Lord honors it, and you can go fast. Do you have family devotions? Do you guys spend time in the Word together as a family? On Sundays. On yeah. Sundays. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you don't do like every night of the week. You're not no. reading the scripture. Yeah. Everybody's too busy. Yeah, I think but so. But Sunday, you do have some yeah. time to yeah. to talk about the scripture together. Yeah. Do you encourage your kids to memorize scripture? Oh, yes. But um, gratefully, our school also encourages okay. them to do this. Uh, but going back to your question about daily devotions. So our kids are now at an age where everyday life examples 
our, our fertile ground for um, just bringing in the Word of God. Okay. So the kids will say something about something that happened in school. All of a sudden, you, you can you can glob onto that and say, oh, well, what do you think the Lord thinks about that? Yeah. And and then just that starts a conversation. I think when you're little and you have a little more time when the kids are little and you do like, you know, the, the devotional readings with your toddler, that's a great, great way to start. So I'm going to push in in these last few moments on some maybe controversial things okay. that I think parents struggle with. And, and we'll see. Uh, we'll see whether I'm right or not. Because even for us, when we were raising our kids, it feels like the world was a different place. Yeah. Even, you know, I, our kids are 20 to 36 mm-hmm. or 7. Uh, I probably should know how old he is. But anyway, in that age range somewhere. And the world's changing, you know, just rapidly. And so as we're teaching the truths of Scripture and intimacy with the Father, and they're hearing different messages in the culture, and maybe even hearing, I mean, some of the things that God tells us, some of the the prescriptions and, you know, commands that God gives us for healthy living are not acceptable in the culture. They would be rejected by the culture. How do you help kids navigate between sort of loving their neighbor and accepting that people around them differ but having a, a, a helping them to firm up their trust in God's word and his 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 gifting of commands and direction for our lives. Does that make sense what I'm asking? It does. And I'm going to start with an example. You know, kids are so empathetic. Some kids are so empathetic, uh, which is a wonderful thing. Um, but I know a, a teenager who didn't want to get baptized. She grew up in the church, very devoted. She didn't want to get baptized because one of her close friends um, is is gay. And she thought that would offend her friend. Well, she couldn't reconcile for herself. Uh, God, who says that's not okay. Uh, I got you. Okay. With her own personal declaration of faith. I got you. And I think that's where parents have to come in and um, help their children understand God is so much bigger mm. than our box that we're trying to put him in, right? In this in this girl's mind, right? She was saying, well, God allows this. And so that can't be right. And mm. so this, and so me doing this would be disingenuous. Mm. And so she's really going through a crisis of faith. Right. So that was last year. Thankfully, you know, Mom and dad gave her time. Youth group teachers gave her time to process it, and she got baptized this year. Oh, my goodness. That's awesome. But she had to process it in her own way. So I think to answer your question, Pastor Kevin, it's reminding kids of who God is, not what media says God is, not what blogs. It's who do you know God to be? Mm. And if we can anchor in on that, and then how does that play out in your life, right? Uh, what does God really think about this issue or that issue? And but all of that has to be guided yeah. by his word because yes. I've run into a lot of folks who say, well, this is who I think God is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah, I, think God, right. I, think the, I think God is the God who wants me to be happy no and, matter what. Yes, but, and that is why community, yeah. faith community, church community is so important yeah. because if I'm going off the rails with my thing, I know my pastor who is Bible-believing yeah. and grounded yeah. and, and leaders here are going to say, Hey, let's check that. Yeah, yeah. Right. So that's so good. I mean, I think that this, I mean, we're raising kids for the first time in, I think, the American culture, 
in, in ways that it hasn't been before, we're really raising kids in a post-Christian culture. That's right. And we have to teach them in ways that we didn't before. We almost have to teach them it's okay that what we believe isn't acceptable in the culture. We're not to be angry at the culture. We're, mm. we're, we're, we're not, our job is not to tell the culture how horrible they are, but to love them as Jesus did, to help them understand the love of God, to see it modeled in our lives but also to be willing to be, I don't know the right word, uh, ridiculed, mm-hmm. um, made fun of at mm-hmm. times because mm-hmm. we, and, misunderstood. and maybe, and misunderstood. Mm-hmm. That's a better word, mm-hmm. misunderstood, which none of, nobody likes to be misunderstood. No. No. I hate when somebody assigns something to me that it's like, mm-hmm. no, I don't think that or, or whatever, but we're all, and Jesus was misunderstood all the time. That's right. And he didn't, he didn't fight that. He just, right. it's like, I'm not going to chase every misunderstanding and so helping our kids as they as they mature as they grow yeah. their little identities are forming and they're you know they we all want to be liked we yeah. all want our friends to like us and you know it's possible that now christian parents who are holding a biblical worldview are raising kids who um aren't going to be all that acceptable in some circles and mm-hmm. We have to tell them that's okay and yeah. teach them how to love back even yeah. through those difficulties. Yeah, I think that's, that's right. It gets messy. It does get messy. It gets messy. messy and we can't be afraid of the mess. Yeah. Um, I think that is one of the biggest deterrents to faith for children when they see it's messy. Yeah. Right. Um, but but no one is helping them process the mess and process it through a biblical worldview. Um, mm. So we, we, you know, with Oakdale kids, with our teachers, that's what we want to communicate as we help our kids on Sundays. But really, we know 99% of the teaching, nurturing, getting through the mess is happening at home. Yeah. And so. So we really we have to support parents. parents. Yes. And yes. and so if parents need resources, Absolutely. they can contact the greatest kids pastor <laughs> ever. Either by just emailing you. For or, sure. Or phone call. Or phone call. Yep, whatever. Yep, absolutely. All right. All right. Jenny, thank you so thank much you. for being That's here. Fun. I know that parents are going to be blessed. It's a challenge, as you say, to raise kids who love God and have mm. intimacy with God mm. in a culture that is changing so rapidly. And there's so many messages that our kids are exposed to. But uh, I know this is going to be an encouragement. So. so bless you. Thank you. Thank you.